Live across the greatest city known to man. From Altona to Abbotsford. From Yarraville to Yarra Glen. This is Howie and the Moon Man. With the winter breakfast. Mmm, good. Triple M. Oh, good morning, Melbourne Town. 3.6 degrees. Chilly start to Chilly willy. Heading top to 15, but don't worry, though, because the waves are pumping. So there are positives out there, Mark Howard. Lawrence Mooney's with you. Tommy's in the house as well. Good morning, boys. Good morning, Howie. Uh, chilly, but uh, we're up and about. Oh, are we ever? Wednesday, hump day. Humpy. Hump day. Uh, and the winter breakfast, three more mornings to go, and then Ed Mickendas, as the promo said, will return on Monday. Not that you're crossing them off. I'm not crossing them off. No. I will, I will go uneasily. If they came and said to you, all right, uh, Ed's got other things on his plate, you can do another two weeks, boys, what would you say? <laughs> Absolutely, I would, uh, up until the 28th of July, and then... Right, I'm not sure you'd be doing those extra two weeks with Howie.com because I'm prepared to log off pretty soon, <laughs> right. I reckon. Where are you off this to? Is, this isn't your time of the day. No. I'm going to a 50th birthday in Malta. Are you? Yeah. Right. So uh, a bit of Mediterranean for me. Thank Look you very you much. Look at you Absolutely. Okay. Hey, I'm going to read to you the odd spot because I love a good love story. I love story. the odd spot. And I love a love story. And this is one that really touched my I heart I didn't know that morning. you were a romantic. Yes, I love it. I, yeah. I, I enjoy a good love story. I love it. For better or worse, on his way to a police car, Brandon Thompson, 35, made a request of arresting officers in Muscogee, Oklahoma. He asked them to pause while he proposed to girlfriend Leandria Keith. The bride-to-be said yes. Police kindly switched Brandon's handcuffs from the back to the front so he could slip an engagement ring on her finger. <laughs> Leandra, beautiful girl that she is, mm. then bailed her betrothed the next day. Oh, that is true love. This is a match made in heaven. This is years of happiness. Yes. This is... Yeah, I think Leandra needs to reassess. I think for I, I'd like to send a special shout out to all of the women uh, out there waiting for their bloke to come out of the coolie, out of uh, Barwon or wherever. Uh, if you're waiting, good on you. He's flawed. He's made mistakes. But she is stuck with him. But he'll be out in three to five. <laughs> The Geelong Footy Club are not keen on a buy. They've had uh, poor results following buys, and so as the end of the year nears, uh, and they're playing Greater Western Sydney in the final game, they've requested that that game be put to a Monday to reduce the break between them playing their final game and their first final. Uh, it could it would make a great Friday night game. Due to but the fact, Geelong, yeah, and due to the fact that there is a buy after the first. Uh, after the final after week, before final the first week. week. So they're, of the trying to, they're trying to shorten the break between their final game and playing finals, aren't they? That is what they're trying to do. Yeah, right. Because uh, they don't want to take, they don't want to lose that edge. And uh, it seems to me uh, not bad signs because uh, as a Bomber supporter, we beat Port Adelaide, we had the bye, and then things went a bit pear shaped <laughs> after that. I don't like the bye. It's a strange one, isn't it? Because everything in your mind tells you having a week's rest is have good. Rest. But the Cats haven't bounced back uh, traditionally well from the bye. They've struggled after the bye. I was listening to uh, my man Lance Armstrong the other day on his podcast. In relation to this, he was saying something amazing. that, that uh, Two nights ago, there was the rest day. I've got to say, there's a severe man crush 
uh, well, from no. you onto Lance. There used to be, and now I'm not sure where I sit with him for obvious reasons, but th- there used to be. But uh, two breaks they have in the Tour de France, two rest days, and everything in sports, science, etc., would tell you that after you're flogging yourself on a bike for six hours a day mm. and riding 200 k's, that that day you rela- you ra- uh, rest, relax, get your massage, get your fluids in, eat well. Get into the spa. Uh, get into the spa. Take it. In. Like the cyclists, in all seriousness, a bit of in the lead up to a big event, the cyclists will do everything to avoid, in all seriousness, just walking upstairs. They do everything to stay off their legs. They don't want to walk. The really serious guys uh, won't feel comfortable walking 200 meters to get breakfast. It's a true story because they want every bit of energy they've got. Yet in the rest day, uh, Often they go for a quiet ride to keep their legs ticking over, which you think, yep. mm, why would you do that? Lance used to go out and take his teammates, which used to hate them for it, the uh, the postal boys or the discovery boys, for an up to a two-hour ride on the rest day and flog them. Right. And he said the teammates would used to hate it because he would go out there and say, okay, we're only going to do a short session, an hour and a half, two hours, mm. but we're going to work our absolute guts off, which goes against everything the medical yeah. world and the but sports was, physician world would tell you. Injecting monkeys' renal glands well. into his <laughs> upper thighs so he could uh, do that, couldn't well, he? Well, maybe you're right. Come on, boys, let's go for a ride. Oh, come on, you are on the juice and we're exhausted. And well, and that was proven to be absolutely correct, what you're saying. But it is a strange one, isn't it? Because everything you would think is just take it easy, well, have you know, a rest, have a relax. But anyone out there who uh, works for a living uh, would know that. It's very hard to get back into it after, you know, your summer holidays or a bit of a long weekend or whatever. The, the natural thing is to keep the, the rolling on until you finish, you know. It's, mm. uh, I, I, well, you know, I'm obviously not a professional footballer. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> you didn't need to. You, you, you had to, but you didn't need Thanks to. Thanks for the breaking news, Sandra Sully. Yeah. Oh, you're not a professional footballer. Uh, I could have been. Right. Uh, yeah, could have been, but I was terrible. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I would have thought that the buy would uh, take the edge off. It's no good. Of course, unless you've got a team full of injuries, uh, then it's perfect. Yeah. So it's an I'm interesting sure one, though. Yeah. The, the Cats don't want it. They want to close the gap and have a, a Monday final round, 23, and uh, keep themselves cherry ripe for the finals. Prime Minister of Australia, Mr. Malcolm Turnbull. Good morning to you, Howie. A very chilly 3.8 degrees. Mind mm. you, I did have the seat warmer on in the Bentley. Of course you did. So my buttocks are toasty. Nice. How and was the Queen? Good morning to you too. The Queen is lovely, of course. I am a Republican. And uh, everyone knows that I was head of the Republican movement. So she does say to me sometimes, you're the chap for the Republic, aren't you? And I say, shut up, you old bag. Uh, no, I don't. Prime just, Minister, you kidding. do a Queen as well. The, yeah, well... <laughs> The Prime Minister can do the Queen. That is starting to take me into a whole nother <laughs> paradigm, which I'm not quite understanding. Don't. Morning, Sam. Oh, morning, Ralph. Early in the morning. Triple M's Winter Breakfast. Early morning quiz. I tell you what, that really does get inside your head. I've been walking around going early in the morning. Have you, All Prime Minister? Morning. Fantastic. One, triple, three, five, three. Give us a call. Good on you. We're giving away tickets to Paul Kelly, a secret gig for you and three mates. His new album, Life is Fine, is out August 11. And St Kilda v Essendon this Friday night at Etihad Stadium, ticketmaster.com.au. We've got a double to give away as well. Uh, Who take do you away, think ben. will win that one, the Bombers or the Saints? The Saints. Saints are on a roll, aren't they? Yes. Now, good morning to you, Mary from Cranbourne South. 
Good morning, Prime Minister. How are you going? I'm very well indeed. Uh, this way. isn't part of the quiz. Who do you vote for, me or the other bloke? No, I think I'd have to vote for you, love, of course. Oh, Mary, stop it. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> Getting all too fresh. I look, I am a bit Okay, now it's a who am I this morning, Mary. So oh. it's, uh, it's starting with the difficult questions, but good luck. Thank you. Number one, I was created by the American psychologist and writer William Moulton Marston. Oh, gee. God, what? God is not the correct answer. Goodbye, Mary. No. <laughs> Mary was lovely. Uh, wasn't she lovely? But no sucking up. It's not going to do you any good. Brock from Hastings. Hello, Brock. How you going? I'm very well indeed. Uh, who am I? I, fir- I was created by the American psychologist and writer William Moulton Marston. I first appeared in All-Star Comics number eight in October mm. 1941. Mm. Mm. Number eight, Brock. Um, Brock. Batman. No, not Batman. Bad luck, Brock. Ian from Pakenham, good morning to you and welcome to the quiz. Oh, thank you, Prime Minister. Uh, well, we'll go through the first few clues. I was created by American psychologist and writer William Moulton Marston. I first appeared in All-Star Comics number 8 in October 1941. I'm also referred to by such epithets as the amazing Amazon oh. and the spirit of truth. I may know. There you go. I'm an Amazon. Uh, no, uh, Iron Man. No, not Iron Man. Rod from Caroline Springs. Have you heard the previous clues? Yes, I have, Prime Minister. Number four, I am known for my invisible plane and bracelets of submission and my lasso of truth. Yeah. Who doesn't like to be tied up with the lasso of truth, Rod? <laughs> oh, that's correct. That's correct, Prime uh, Minister. Um, have you I got... wouldn't have a clue. You wouldn't have a clue? Well, you've had four. <laughs> I've done done a joke there, Harry. Yes. Shannon <laughs> from Melbourne. Politics. Good morning to you, Shannon. Hello, Shannon. Are you there? Shannon's, Shannon's not there. gone. What about Jay from Jay Vermont? From Vermont? There, Hello, Jay. Good morning, Good morning, Prime Minister. Now, do you say Vermont or Vermont? <laughs> oh, well, I suppose it depends on your uh, mindset. Vermont, if you're feeling that way inclined, I suppose. <laughs> That's right. Now, have you heard the previous clues, Jay? I oh. have, and I have to say it would be Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is correct. Well done. I'll give you the other clues. I recently made uh, a feature film debut played by Gal Gadot. Mm. Uh, I'm known as Diane Prince, and I am Wonder Woman. Wow. Who didn't love Wonder Woman? I went and saw Wonder Woman recently with Lucy, and we had a terrific time. Did you? Gold class, of course. Of course. Mm. Uh, Jay? The only way to see this. Films. Paul Kelly tickets for you and three mates. A secret gig. His new album Life is Fine is out August 11. Plus, the Saints take on the Bombers this Friday night at Etihad Stadium. A massive weekend there. Food trucks, footy tickets, all at ticketmaster.com.au. That's all yours, Big Jay. Uh, awesome. Sounds like a good weekend. Thank you very much for playing the quiz, Jay. Good on you. And currently, Jay is enjoying a bit of moonlight in Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> to me, awesome is awesome. Not well, awesome. Jay clearly has just got out of bed. Okay. Probably a bit hungover or something. Good on you, Jay. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. Oz Lotto last night. I $40 think they million. Were... Dollars. Wow. Uh, and I went into the news agents yesterday, Howie, to get some plastic pockets. End of the financial year. Plastic care of the pockets? Bucket. Yeah, I needed to. 
And plastic pockets. Some plastic pockets for my leverage binder. Right. To make sure that all of my papers are in order. Okay. Should I get audited I didn't by the ATO? You, you as being that organised, to be honest. I'm highly organised. I'm a tidy man. Right. Don't you go judging me just because of this body. You think my whole life's spiralling out of control? Well, if your guts are like that, I presume your yeah. office is like that. There you go. And that's at the heart of the fattest man. He, he judges people on their physical shape. That's not and true. that, by extension, is how their life is. That's not Let's true. Let's move on. Let's. So maybe, maybe, you're, maybe there's a little bit of uh, truth in what you say because I can get easily distracted. and I'm impulsive and a compulsive man. Mm. And so see the Oslotto sign up there. Got my plastic pockets. All I need to do is pay my seven ninety five. I said, uh, "Give us a maxi uh, pick for the uh, Oz Lotto." She goes, "Yep, no worries." And then uh, that that ticket comes out. There's fifty six games on that ticket. She goes, uh, "Powerball Thursday night." I said, "Yeah, give us a maxi for that too." And she goes, "What about Saturday night?" And I said, "Why not?" In for a penny? Yeah. And then <laughs> so three fifty six game tickets. She goes, uh, that'll be 167 bucks. What? I said, what? And I said, how much is it? And she goes, well, it's $60 for a maxi on the Powerball. That's the most expensive. 40 bucks. Uh, yeah, so I've, I've had 160 bucks worth of gambling. Did you win? Well, I don't know. I might be sitting on a fortune as we speak. I might win, you know, first division in all three of them. I could have won last night. I might be worth $40 million. You should have more respect for me. <laughs> I might be a very wealthy and powerful man, Howie, or just a chubby guy with a piece of paper that cost me 40 bucks. However, you've got a very well-organised office. That's right. Winter breakfast. I've got me bass organised. <laughs> Always nice when an athlete wanders into the studio, bouncing out of her shoes, as this young lady has. Kate Maloney, uh, the captain of the Melbourne Victon, Vixens, and now just a na- uh, Vixens. <laughs> Hello, Kate. Hey, boys. Thanks for having you me. You were the Melbourne victims come finals time because you finished on top, and I don't like to look to the past, but got knocked out in straight sets. I was hoping you weren't going to mention that, mm. but yeah, we did. We finished the minor premiers, um, had a really great season, and uh, but unfortunately, really disappointing end to our season, going out in straight sets in the finals. Mm. I did go and see a little bit of netball, and we were discussing probably two decades ago when all the teams had seabird names, <laughs> the Sandpipers, I think it was. Uh, and the now, Swifts. The, the, and uh, now the Vixens, of course, is, uh, well, Vixen is a female fox or a quarrelsome woman. That is it. Which one? <laughs> which one are you, Kate? <laughs> I think I choose to be nice. Hey, Kate, 6 a.m. Yeah. this morning, a nice early start. The Australian Fast Five <laughs> Netball Squad has been named. This is a massive event. You can get tickets uh, from Monday, July 24 at Ticketek. And it'll be at High Sense Arena again, October 28 and 29. It was big last year on Channel 9. I like the Fast Five. For want of a better term, it's almost Netball's version of T20 cricket. Congratulations in being named in the squad. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's really exciting. Uh, huge honour whenever you get to represent your country. And um, great to have it back here in Melbourne and have, you know, six of the best netball um, nations in the world all in one place. And, uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. So what uh, changes in Fast Five? Yeah, look, it's a really fast-paced, uh, exciting version of netball. Um, you have rotating subs, shorter quarters. Uh, you can shoot one-pointers, two-pointers, and three-pointers. So I'd love to okay. be a goaler there. Um, mm. Power plays. Uh, they get rid of 
probably the two most important positions in wing attack and wing defence. And I'm probably a little right. bit biased being a mid-quarter. <laughs> um, but no, it is. It's just a really exciting uh, spectacle. So they uh, pair it back a bit. And uh, by the way, I would just want to say anytime during this interview, here if you need. Um, <laughs> is that something that's uh, still set on the netball fast court? Fast five. <laughs> fast five, it's called. What did I call it? You said you're available to play, and I'm telling you it's called Fast, fast Five. Okay. <laughs> Not slow and a little bit podgy five. Listen, I've fast seen five. seen a lot of country netball and uh, suburban netball, and there's, there's a place for all shapes and sizes. There is. In community netball, and you're obviously into grassroots netball as well. You, uh, you give back to the community. You're involved in that. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, I love walking past the local netball courts on a Saturday morning and remembering that that's where you started and and all those exciting times where you just grew up playing netball and loving netball. Yeah. And one thing that I I learned about going to netball is it's always very complimentary. There's no really hardcore (laughs) barricade. It's like, well done, girls. Well done. Is is that true or does it get a little bit grittier? Oh. It does. <laughs> there is that side of it. And I think in Melbourne, the crowd's amazing. When you head over to Adelaide and stuff like that, they get a little bit Bloody more rowdy Adelaide. over there. Yeah. So sledging over the fence stuff. Probably Collingwood as well. So oh, yeah, well, so absolutely. that up as well, uh, bringing Collingwood into our competition. But um, when you head to Fast Five, the crowds are amazing. They dress up. Uh, everyone dresses up, really gets into it. There's a lot of entertainment uh, for everyone there as well. So uh, hopefully we get a big crowd there. And um yeah, hopefully they are nice and loud cheering us on. Com Games next year, Gold Coast, home Commonwealth Games. Something on your future radar. It'd be big, big, big playing in that little affair. Yeah, that would be amazing and, and something that, you know, I've, I've dreamt about playing, you know, for the Australian Diamonds and recently just selected uh, in the squad, which mm-hmm. is... Congratulations. Thank you. I'm really excited about So uh, a squad of 18, we head into camp with the Diamonds next week. So go over to Canberra for a week and then the girls will go off and play in a couple of different series, Constellation Cup and Quad Series as well later this year. And in terms of the Commonwealth, who uh, is the dominant team at the moment? Australia's ranked number one at the moment. Mm. Um, have been doing really well. You know, New Zealand's always extremely strong. England, Jamaica. Um, so, yeah, I expect a really strong competition. I think now with the growth of um, our Australian Suncorp Super Netball League and having the open import rule, um, it's only making the other countries uh, even stronger. So, oh, I like the open import rule. Oh, yeah. I like it a lot. Kate Maloney, captain of Melbourne Vixens, just announced in Australia's Fast Five netball team. It kicks off later in the year, October 28 and 29 at High Sensor Arena. You can get your tickets now, Moon Doggy. Mm. Monday, July 24, in fact, is when you can get your tickets at Ticketek. Kate, thanks for popping in. Off to training later on today. I am off to training, so just keep going. Get back into the gym later, and it's not just down the road from here, so I don't Perfect. have to go too far. Good on you, Kate. Thanks, Thanks Kate. for having me, guys. Now on Triple M's Winter Breakfast, it's the Overnight Sport. The new Despicable Me 3 Family Box at McDonald's. Made for sharing, made for family. 12 minutes to 7, heading to top of 15. Really looking forward in many ways to Eddie returning next Monday. Currently 3.8, Mark Howard, Lawrence Mooney, Tommy is here, and Jason Bennett has wandered into the studio. Hello, JB. Morning, all. Uh, here's a story. G'day, JB. I'd love to get your thoughts on, and maybe later on we'll get the thoughts of our Winter Breakfast family as well. The mm. Riddell Footy League, which is out the Macedon Rangers way, have introduced a new rule mid-season. They're capping the margins in under-12 to under-16 games. The mm. margins to be capped at 80 points for the under-16s, 60 points for the under-14s, and 
48 points for the under-12s. The majority of club presidents voted in favour of this initiative, designed to eliminate constant heavy defeats, which has been identified as one of the main reasons kids leave the game. They've also taken out goal kicker tallies. We're not keeping track of how many goals are kicked anymore. Best player votes have also been removed as part of the push. Uh, I, I don't see the logic behind any of this. And tell me this, uh, when they uh, cap the scores, do they stop the game there? No, they don't. So you're still getting flogged. That's the point. Right. So you watch the ball sail over your head another 20 times, even if they turn the scoreboard off. So if kids are leaving the game because they're mm. not happy getting belted every week, they're still going to get belted whether or not you keep track of the scores. And and you've just got that further ignominy of somebody going, we're not even the scoring The mercy rule, now. exactly. Yeah. We turn the scoreboard off. You are so crap. We're going to turn the scoreboard off. Look, how are you play junior footy? We all did. My two girls still do out at Roville Knights. They get walloped some weeks, and some weeks they do the walloping. And isn't that what sport's all about? I played for Bayswater United Soccer Club, uh, under sevens. I scored the only goal in a whole year. Uh, and we still loved running around. We didn't, We, you know, some t- days it was 26-0 against Nunna Wadding or whatever. Poor old Otto weeping in the goals there and his mum coming out going, come on, Otto. You know, we just love participating. We'll touch on that more after seven. Plenty more sport news, JB. So you just hang there. Hanging. I want to know what's happening on the Tour de France overnight as well. Jason Bennett continuing with overnight sport. JB. Let's follow up a story we talked about yesterday, the Jeff Horn manny Pacquiao rematch. Mm-hmm. Yesterday we spoke of the Hornbags trainer, Glenn Rushton, suggesting the fight will likely be at the Brisbane Entertainment Centre in mm-hmm. Boondall. We posed the question as to why Melbourne and Sydney wouldn't bid. Well, sure enough, suggestions this morning that they will. Moonman's favourite indoor-outdoor Alfresco Stadium, Eddie Hatt Stadium. Poised to make a multi-million dollar offer as his ANZ Stadium in Sydney. That holds 83,000. Now, Queensland do, Queensland do have the first rights to the fight, but Boondle in Brisbane only holds around 15,000 and organisers reluctant to hold it at Suncorp because of the unpredictable weather in Queensland around November, December. So there's a possibility it could be at Etihad or at, at ANZ Stadium in Sydney. And the WBO re, um, rescored, the fight. rescored the fight and gave it to... Jeff Horn, Jeff seven Horn. rounds to five, exactly the same as the ringside judges. So Who would have known? nice vindication there for Jeff. Do you now, reckon they were ever going to find the opposite result? No chance. Yeah. <laughs> it was never going to change the result. They were yeah. never going to take the belt off him. So no, probably not. Uh, now we all know star power in US sport is so important. The Miami Marlins Major League Baseball team currently for sale. Three different ownership groups bidding for the team. It'll sell for somewhere around 1.2 billion US dollars. <laughs> Now, New York Yankees legend Derek Jeter has been front and centre in one of these groups, and he's enlisted the support now of Michael Jordan, who's forced, forged a uh, reputation as a successful NBA owner with the Charlotte Hornets. Hasn't been revealed how much money Jordan will invest in the, in the deal, but fair to say he's got plenty. He's made an estimated $1.7 billion since starting in the NBA in 1984. Moonman, would you believe he still makes more than $100 million a year just out of Nike? Just I, from Nike alone. When I heard this, I found it hard to believe that uh, the Jordan slash Nike brand is still selling so well. More than 50% of the US sneaker market over there, which is enormous. So he receives royalties on every shoe, every pair of shorts and every hoodie that the Jordan brand sells. And uh, so he makes still just out of Nike alone, $100 million. He's got a whole range of other investments that make him money as well. Now, the current owner, Jeffrey Laurie, bought the Marlins for $158 million in 2002. He's now going to sell it for $1.2 billion. So a fair return on investment. I can say that I've never heard of the Marlins, uh, so I wouldn't be tipping in $1.2 billion to buy them. Well, there are reports that he actually did a handshake deal with to sell the Marlins to Donald Trump's creepily silent son-in-law, Jared Kushner, back in February. 
and that Laurier was going to be, coincidentally, as it happens, he was going to be appointed as the US ambassador to France around the same time. Now that deal got scuppered as soon as it sort of went public and everyone said, hang on, what's going on here? So now there's three ownership groups involved and yeah, $1.2 billion is the price tag to buy the Miami Marlins. If you've got a few dollars behind the couch, Howie. Doesn't Venus invest in an NFL team over in that part of Lots the Lots of them do just as minor investment, um, minor investors, because the thing is most of these groups have got, you know, they might have 35 or 40 different owners at different levels. Now, Obviously, with Michael Jordan, he might have a he'll have a very minor stake. But you know, if you're looking at a young prospect or a potential trade for a player, it's pretty powerful to be able to roll out Derek Jeter and Michael Jordan yeah. to go and have a meeting with them and say, "Hey, why don't you come join us?" The Miami lifestyle is obviously a huge attraction as well. So suddenly, Miami could become a, a real destination club if you've got the likes of Jeter and Jordan behind well, it. Well, will you ever ever have that in Australia? You think where you can buy. You know, an AFL club where you can buy the license and no, set up your own club? I don't think so. Not after the whole Sydney uh, debacle of the 80s and then the Brisbane Bears. Oh, that worked out well, didn't it? Jeffrey yeah, and the, awesome. the crew up there. Thank you, JB. Nicely done. Outrage this morning. Oh. Outrage after the Riddle District Football League, the latest Nanny to introduce State. a mercy rule for junior teams being flogged by excessive margins. The margin is capped at 80 points in under 16s, 60 points in under 14s, and 48 points in under 12s. Now, my man, Scotty Cummings, who... Great Essendon player. Well, he was a great Essendon player, a great uh, Port Adelaide player, a great West Coast Eagles player, and a great Collingwood player. And he blew up about this on Twitter, as I would expect him to, creating a bunch of horribly underprepared kids for life, is what he went with. Scotty Cummings joins on the line. Now, hello, Scotland. What a treat this is for me on a uh, Wednesday morning. Yes, terrific, Howie, to be speaking to you. Hello, me, man. And, uh, hello, Scotty. You're doing a great job, boys. Been listening in each morning. Thanks oh, that's very me. nice of you. Scott actually played for another club too. Uh, I did a webisode series called The Match Committee with Sam Pang back in 2011, and Scotty yeah. was our our primary recruit. Yeah, uh, just to the uh, Roosters. Off, yeah, just myself and Longie just uh, that's right. coming into a, a little bit of a fitness campaign for the Roosters, and uh, <laughs> uh, I thought I thought we were terrific recruits. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this situation, mate? I know you're involved in yeah. junior footy yourself. Uh, this wouldn't be the way you operate, I wouldn't have thought. Uh, I, as you said there, as I said on my uh, tweet yesterday, I said, could could we possibly be uh, under preparing our kids more for life than we're uh, than we're doing right now? It's just. Yeah, uh, you there, Scotty? Just... Yeah. My boys' team under tens, um, and uh, you know we we don't. Well, we're not allowed to score because, you know, it might hurt someone's feelings if mm. they lose. But I'll tell you what, these kids know. They know exactly what the score is, and they know if they've won or lost. And we talk about it after every game, whether they did win or lose. And uh, I think, you know, there's important things in life, boys, that you've got to learn how to win, mm. and you have to learn how to lose because I'm not sure about you blokes. Uh, actually, I am sure about you blokes. Um, you've lost a couple of things in your lives, and uh, you haven't always got what you wanted. And uh, you need to be prepared for that. You know, it's just ridiculous. Hey, Scotty, when yourself, myself and Wayne Carey fronted up a show called The Game Plan oh, on a guaranteed three-year deal and we got yeah. cut at round 14, <laughs> yeah. they told us that right now, face. Yeah, well, I, I blame Duck. Yes. Um, <laughs> hasn't really kicked on either, has he? No, I thought he was poor and he didn't take <laughs> us with him. That's for sure. But anyway. But you're quite right, Scott. I mean, the kids know. Uh, and this idea of not you know, rewarding the fastest or giving everybody a, a ribbon. The children also know that that's a farce and that they're being oh. lied to because they know that Stephen Brooks is the quickest and he should be, you know, the gold medalist. And then you've got to also be told that, hey, Lawrence, you're not that good at footy, mate. Find something else. You know, like stand-up comedy. <laughs> well, you, 
maybe not as harsh as that, but I think when you when you lose, you've got to learn how to uh, you got to learn how to lose. You got to learn how to lose and uh, and then want to, but you know, but never give up. And you want to you've got to learn how to lose and, and fight it out and uh, yeah. and, and and toughen up just a little bit. Just like you got to win with grace and humility when you win. Oh yes, yeah, my boys' side's a pretty good side, but uh, and when they uh, when they finish a the game, it is all about respecting the opposition. You go and shake their hands and you say good game. And when you lose, you actually fight and you and you and you try and get better. And then you get the training and you try and get better. Now this sounds. We lost uh, we lost a game to uh, to Williamstown uh, a few weeks ago. Very very good side Williamstown, and they gave our boys an absolute pantsing, and our boys tossed it in. Well, you reckon they uh, they got away with it at the end of the game? We sat down for probably ten minutes, and this is I'm talking under ten here, right? So it's, it's not uh, real end of game sort of stuff. But we sat down for ten minutes and discussed how they just tossed their toes up and and gave up, and that's not what happens in life. And sometimes kids. I know you haven't heard it now, but you're going to hear the word no. Uh, you have, most of you haven't heard it yet. Do you yeah. reckon? And then the team manager came up and said, oh, here's the awards. I said, there's no awards today. I'm sorry. No awards. Because these boys just gave up. And things weren't going their way, and they gave up. They've got to learn this stuff now. And uh, I think, they, you know, capping... Capping these sorts of things, or capping losses on it. Doesn't make any sense to me. Scotty Cummings, we appreciate your time. I know you want to go on. I think we've got your point of view. Uh, It's filled with joy. No, we've done with you, brother. (laughs) Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Scotty. Wind the big man down. Give us a call, 13353. What do you reckon? It's all about player retention. Mm. That is the other side of the argument. If kids get a belting, they think they're going to draw themselves away from the game. Give us your thoughts next, 13353. Some issues really touch the public, and the callers on 13353 are an example of this. Riddle District Football League is the latest to introduce a mercy rule for junior teams being flogged by excessive margins. If you get to a certain amount behind, if you're an under-16 team and you go 80 points down, the score is removed from the scoreboard. When you tell people how to raise their children, Howie, They'll come right back at you. That is a full board. It is flashing. We, we probably haven't got enough time to get to all of our callers. Mick from Clyde North, what do you reckon about capping the score? Yeah, I think it's a good idea, boys. Uh, first, you had two boys, one in under nines, one under 11s in, yep. um, in the Carabin District. Uh, the under 11s has got Asperger's. Um, so they, they love the game, believe it or not. But when they get thrashed, the kids hate to go on a training the next day because, or the next couple of nights because they get absolutely hammered by the coach. So now my boys have actually lost the love of the game. They hate going to footy, so we had to pull them out. But is that a coaching issue, Mick? No, it is, because that, 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 that whole club was all about winning. You know, I don't think, think junior football is all about winning. I think it's about developing skills, being a team player. Yeah, they lose, they lose. That's okay. They, they understand that. Mm. But the kids go back to training, and they're going to get caught a bunch of girls or a bunch of pussies or, you know, it's just, it belittles them. Yeah, maybe that's also about club culture there because uh, I've played in losing sides and it's just fun being around the boys, you know, training, playing. Or girls. Or girls. Uh, and there was a couple of girls in our side, actually. And uh, they were very good. Much better than me. Matt from Frankston, what do you reckon? I'll go to say this, guys. Um, I've been playing for about 20 years now. Hmm. Um, all the way through juniors and seniors now. And I've been done with 200 plus points, stuff like that. Yeah, it's absolutely a crap feeling. But you bounce back next week. It's it's part of the game. Like one week you might get done by two hundred, next week you might win. It's part and parcel of the game. It is part and parcel of the game, and somehow I reckon it's part and parcel of life. Caroline from Epping is on the line. G'day, Caroline. Good morning. How are you? 
We're talking about whether uh, teams should have the score removed off the board when they're getting flogged in AFL football. What do you think, Caroline? No, I don't agree at all. I think it's a really good learning curve for children. Have a crack. If you don't win, go back next week. Try harder. My son played junior football and for one year used to get flogged week in, week out. He's now playing senior football in the Northern Football League, loving it and mm. having a real good year. And as I say, no... I don't agree with it at all. It's a learning curve in life and just a general everyday thing. That's right, Caroline. You're going to win, learn a lot more from defeats than you are from victories. So you've got to learn to lose and come back stronger. Kieran from South East Australia. Where are you, Kieran? Actually, out in, out in Beaconsfield. Actually, I think they know how they got Southeast Australia, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, it sort of is, I guess. Yeah, it it's a long way out, but it's, been, it's not a passport sort of place. You can, you can get there yourself. <laughs> no, Southeast Australia. Anyway, what, what are your thoughts, Kieran? We know uh, Beaconsfield. Look, I, I can understand why they're looking at these rules, but they've they're basically got to take a deeper look at what's causing the problem. Again, overall band-aid for the exception in the rule. Um, these teams are probably getting flogged from poor... Uh, grading of the teams, putting them into leagues where even with other teams that they're not meant to be competing against. Most of the callers have got it right in the sense that this is part of learning of life. You're not going to win everything in life and there are different ways in which you can teach your kids how to handle these, these failures and successes and it makes them appreciate it when they do win. Absolutely. You know, when, uh, when you do finally win, victory is sweet. I remember playing chess against my brother for years and years and years. I was 15 when I got my first victory. And, uh, yep, I reckon kids need to learn how to lose. The idea of capping the score when you're getting flogged, ridiculous. Scott from Kensington. G'day, Scott. Look, I'm not done, you blokes. If your kids are going <laughs> to lose, you're going to teach them some resilience. Sometimes this is going to happen in life, you know what? And you know what? If your kid wants to quit because they're losing, well, they're in for some shocks coming up. All right? That's Scotty Cummings. I'm glad I'm not coached by you, big boy. Wow. You know, it's all about coaching and developing the players. I understand all of that, but sometimes, Sam, we don't turn out the Thank you, Scotty. That was Scott Cummings. who joined us earlier on the show to give us his rather forthright views. And it's like opening the bin and Oscar uh, the Grouch is there. Uh, to be honest, I had to agree with him. <laughs> Moondoggy, this Trump story continues to give and give and give. Donald Trump's son was told before a meeting a Russian lawyer he believed had information damaging to Hillary Clinton that the material was part of a Russian government effort to help his father's campaign. The New York Times has reported citing three people with knowledge of the email. So Donald Trump's son is now being pulled mm. into this, what can only be called a scandal. Lexi Dace, Channel 9 News, operates out of the United States of America, doing a wonderful job. He's on the line from Los Angeles. Uh, great to speak to you, Lexi. Explain exactly the latest turn in this story, if you would. Yeah, sure. Look, it's, it's all a bit of a circus, really. As you said, the latest basically is that Trump Donald Jr. has been forced to fess up about meeting this Russian lawyer. And now the first problem is that he's vehemently denied meeting any Russians while working on the campaign. Now, of course, this contradicts that. But the other issue now is that... ..which is basically a series of emails... Uh, making arrangements for him to meet this Russian lawyer. Now, he was initially uh, telling everyone he didn't even know who this person was before he went to the meeting. But now, the New York Times, as I understand it, basically approached the Trump administration, said, we're going to print this email thread. We've got them. We're going to print them. And then he's jumped the gun and put them out himself on Twitter. So, look, he's trying to save face, really, um, when you look at it on the facts. And in the emails, uh, he was informed before the meeting that the information this woman had was part of the Russian government's efforts to aid Trump's campaign. So that is 
hear a massive deal. That's really explosive because he went into that meeting knowing full well that he was potentially uh, going to be taking, you know, information from, from Russians, and that spells FBI inquiry. So it is a really big deal, and, um, and we know that people who are investigating Russian collusion in the election last year uh, are now very keen to speak with Trump Jr. All the way along, the Trump camp have denied any knowledge of, you know, dealing with Russians or collusion, and uh, it's been exposed. There's been even a few heads have, have rolled because of uh, associations with Russians. Has Donald Trump Sr. come out in defence of his son? No, he hasn't, and that's another interesting thing. Look, he hasn't. The Trump, other members of the Trump administration are still saying this is not collusion. Kellyanne Conway um, yesterday was saying, no, this is not collusion. We don't see the problem. But he hasn't come out to back his son at any point thus far. And that's really interesting as well, because uh, Trump's daughter, Ivanka Trump, has been copying a lot of heat here for taking um, his father's seat at the G20 summit in Germany. And yesterday he was very quick to get on Twitter and defend her and say that um, that it was completely normal, and yet he hasn't backed his son. So a bit of, <laughs> bit of family politics going, going on there, I think, guys. Uh, we're speaking to Lexi Dace, Channel 9 News' correspondent in the United States of America, bringing us up to date with the Donald Trump story. The fact his daughter sits on the G20 for any period of time, to me, seems absolutely mind-blowing. Blowing up on Twitter for him as well at the moment, Lexi. Is people involved with Twitter trying to sue the president? Have I got that story right? Yeah, absolutely. Basically, um, there's a, a group of people that have filed a lawsuit in a New York court and they basically, well, they say that um, the real Donald Trump Jr. Twitter account has blocked them uh, and they are saying, <laughs> I don't know whether this, you can argue this in a court or not, but they are saying that is, uh, they're citing the First Amendment and saying that's a um, right. breach of their constitutional rights because uh, he's blocking them after they've expressed views that he doesn't like. So um, they are arguing that the Constitution extends to social media. It's interesting in a way, isn't it? Because we're seeing this mm. new era where the President of the United States is using Twitter every single hour. And it does present an interesting point with this. You know, do we have to um, try and look at, look at these sorts of issues and, and stop uh, political leaders or public forums like Twitter accounts from blocking uh, members of the public. Interesting. It'll be interesting to see uh, what that New York court finds, I think. Indeed it will, Lexi. We appreciate your time. Lexi Dace, Channel 9 News Melbourne, bring us up to date with all the latest on Donald Trump. This, it, it, you just shake your head. The you leader of head. the free world, the man with the most power, spends a lot of his day on Twitter firing off 140-character missives about individuals in the press and people who slag him off and it just boggles my mind. It's just fake news, brother. It's all fake news. Ninja Warrior, we were just discussing it. A new smash hit for Channel 9. It is great viewing. And our next guest dominated when he went on a couple of nights ago. He's a former gymnast and military commando who has served four tours overseas. And we thank him for that. Scott Evanett joins us on the line now. G'day, Scotty. Morning, boys. How are we? Oh, great to speak to you. Firstly, tell me about the Ninja Warrior experience. You did very, very nicely. What's it like? Mate, thanks very much. I think I had everyone on the end of their uh, end of their seats with that warp ball mm. third attempt. But, um, mate, it's such a wicked comp. I mean, the entire thing, the entire week that we were there um, doing everything was, was, was magic, mate. So um, it ran really, really smoothly. But the competition itself, it's, it's pretty scary. It's one of those things where... You, um, you're on there for the first time, mate. You don't get a practice. You don't get anything. So what right. comes out is, is the result. 
Uh, you gobbled up the course very early on, particularly the cargo net. I don't know whether they do a lot of that uh, particular training in the commandos, but uh, you had no problem hanging upside down and crawling through that. But it was the warped wall. Two attempts early, you didn't even get halfway up. And then the third one, how, how did you do it? What did you do mentally to get to the top of that wall? Mate, I think, and uh, a lot of people can take that into it. Mentally, I had a little bit of a block coming into that because I uh, had a bit of a torn hamstring coming into the competition. Mm. So I'd avoided practicing any warp ball. So when I got there, that was that was in the head, right? So I ran out the wall, didn't have the technique um, and figured out that pretty quickly you have to run up the wall. But mindset-wise, mate, it was about slowing the heart rate down, getting the breathing happening, which is something I've done previously in Afghanistan. You have to um, you have to figure out how the, how the mind works through the breathing, through body language. And then it was do or die, mate. And the best thing to get anything done is just to make sure it means a lot. So do or die. If I didn't get up the wall, it was it was all over. So I, off I went. I love it. Scotty Evanett is a competitor and ninja warrior and a commando in Australia as well as a former gymnast. Scotty, I've uh, just been shown some of your pictures on Instagram by a man, Tom, here, whose eyes are blowing out of his head. Um, fair rig <laughs> you've got going on, just quietly. Fair rig. How much training Thanks. are you doing a day to have a six-pack like that? Thanks, buddy. I oh, mate, I train twice a day. Um, we've got a facility in Caringbar here, so it makes it nice and easy to walk down from the office straight into the gym floor. But um, to answer your question, you know, around sort of two, two and a half, three hours a day. Two and a half or three hours a day. And your diet is obviously pretty clean and sharp. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Primarily, you know, protein's a bit high fat, and I just use carbohydrates as a fuel source. Now, uh, your backstory on Monday night um, included, you know, talk a story of your service for this country as a commando and your tours of Afghanistan, and you wore some fragments in the face. Do you want to tell us how that happened? Yeah, I can run through that quickly, mate. It's um, just one of one of the missions over there, mate. We, we were um, patrolling through. Our, our team was the lead, um, and we were ambushed on that particular day. So um, took on some AK-47 fire from the flank, and they had us on fillet, which means they had us all ducks in a row and had a PKM, which is a machine gun, fire all the way down. But um, strange troops are pretty quick, mate. Left and right, we went. But um, me, I had a pretty big gun in my hand at that time. And I uh, didn't get out of the way quite quick enough, so I copped a few or I copped a round in, into the barrel of my weapon. Mm. So it ended up, you know, splitting and spraying a few um, bits of bullets and a bit of my barrel through um, through my face, through my ears, and bits and pieces. So, but uh, the job had to go on, mate. I had a wicked team with me, and we all got in the line and did what we um, what we're taught to do. Scotty Evanett, Ninja Warrior and former Commando. Scotty, when you relate a story like that, me sitting here in the studio. The average guy or girl driving in the car will be shaking their head thinking, oh, I can't relate to a life like that. How do you deal with fear in a situation like that? I think you saw a little bit of it on um, on Ninja Warrior on my run, actually. It's just to hit it head on. So um, there's all sorts of techniques, mindset, breathing, like we've gone through a bit of body language to reduce the effects of, of the chemicals that happen within the body on a technical level. But um, the best way to deal with fear is to get comfortable being uncomfortable. So to just get outside that comfort zone, live in that as much as you can, and these things don't become, uh, they're not, you know, they don't spike the fear anymore. Scotty Evanett, Ninja Warrior. Well, uh, we uh, look forward to seeing you. you well, threw... don't wrap him up yet. No, no, no. no. I'm just saying we <laughs> look forward to seeing a bit more of you, but you threw to, you've, you've got through the first heat. So uh, when do we see a bit more of Scotty Evanett on our screens? Mate, I'm actually unsure of my next run. Right. I know I'm Semi-finals is what you're going to see. Um, so all those guys that made it into the top top five numbers will go through to the semi-finals. Different courses each time, which is exciting as well. So you'll see different um, 
different obstacles every single time and different characters coming out. Um, and you'll see it gets longer and longer as well, guys. So look out for that because it um, starts to blow out your forearms and grip strength and you see some pretty gnarly stacks. Yeah, I bet uh, the burn starts happening intensely. <laughs> and of course, only six people have made it through from 31 TV series across the world. So uh, we look forward to seeing whether there's going to be an Australian Ninja Warrior gets to the end of the course. Hey, Scotty, we appreciate your time. Just quickly, if people want to see you on social media, which is Tommy, as I said, is flicking through at the moment, where do people find you? Mate, on Instagram, it's, it's, they're both under my name, so at Scott Evanet, and it's spelled E-V-E-N-N-E-T-T. Same, same on Facebook, mate. I've got a private, um, private uh, Facebook page there and a public figure page. The public figure page is the one I do all the mindset and training and techniques and stuff. There's also a website there too, boys. Thanks for that. Um, Evernet.com.au. Good on you, Scotty. We really, really appreciate your time. Best of luck on Ninja Warrior, and thanks for having a chat with us on the Winter Breakfast. Thanks, lads. Legends. Thanks, boys. Bye. Good on you, Scotty. Legend, all right. What an absolute machine. Served the country, and he's in. The, he's through the first round of Ninja Warrior, and we look forward to seeing whether he will make it through the course. Keep an eye out for it on Channel 9. It is a fantastic show. Coming up, uh, we are going to speak to the Lord Mayor of Melbourne. I'm very excited about that. But, Howie, I've just seen you go through your emails. Yeah. <laughs> Normally you're up and about. You're a yep. boy from the country that loves it three foot and offshore. Who Which doesn't? it is today. That's what it is today. He does. And uh, his mates skin up a fatty occasionally. He doesn't. But <laughs> in the back of the combi. But... Normally yes. you've got a, a big smile on your patina, mm. but uh, not today. No, well, I just what, got a little... Why are you so downcast? Well, I got a little email through and I'm off to the Caribbean well, uh, in a month or so to commentate some cricket. That's reason to be happy. It is. You're off to the West Indies. It is. How I've just been given my flights, which go... So you get to fly? Yes. From Melbourne Excellent. to Sydney, to mm. Los Angeles, to New York, to Ooh. Panama City, to Guyana, Georgetown, which is the first game. So it's a 49-hour trip. And it's got me arriving here at midday, and the first game is at 5 p.m. that afternoon, after 49 hours. That is my idea of heaven. What are you talking about, man? I love the idea of being locked into a plane. It takes off. No one can get a hold of you. You've got to turn off your device. You've got an excuse not to respond to any emails or calls out. Nobody can interfere with either your reading or your watching of a movie or your you know, smashing the mini bar or eating peanuts or whatever it is you choose to do in flight. You've got 49 hours of freedom, my of friend. drudgery and time okay. expanding around my uh, brain and then yeah. get off and arrive in Georgetown, which is a beautiful part of the... Actually, you fly in there and you see nothing but the Amazon for an hour and a half as you cross the coast from the Atlantic when you head wow. south from New York. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, pops up one city, which is Georgetown, and that's pretty much all you get in Guyana. However, uh, I went there last and year. fascinating, fascinating history. You it know, is. Uh, slave port... Uh, and also, you know, the, the the scene of one of the biggest mass murders in in history. It's like a it's 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 a fascinating place and known for its bird spider. The, the last the time spider. the bird spider, you know, one of the ones that that mm -hmm. big's got a nice waterfall there too. Uh, in preparation for and some of your mates from the combi, it also enjoys some other treats that Georgetown has to offer. Yeah, well, there's plenty of that going on in Georgetown as preparation for the Caribbean Premier League 
last year I sat down because I didn't arrive until the two-week mark. I thought I'd better watch some of these games to figure out who these guys are. And I was watching our good friends, the Jamaica Talawas, of which Chris Gartler is the captain. And uh, the wiki took a really nice catch. And on the back of his shirt, his name was Oates. And I thought, oh, this Oates is pretty handy. And then the uh, next batsman comes in, bang, drives it straight to cover. A bloke takes a diving catch. Mm. Uh, Oates, I'm, another oh. catch. I'm thinking, oh, the Oates brothers are going the well. Brothers are going then the bowler steams nicely. in. The bowler <laughs> steams in. I see on the back of his shirt, Oates. That's like the chapels. And then I've had the sudden realisation <laughs> that that is the sponsor yes. of the team. <laughs> and I was one flight away from going to the Caribbean for the first time and bringing up, by gee, these Oates boys can play. <laughs> the sponsor. Yes. I've, I've heard a similar story. Michael Simons, is it, who was who wrote his name on the inside of his shirt? And uh, somebody said, you don't have to do that, mate. Your name's on the back. Andrew Simons. Andrew Simons, excuse me. There you go. Michael Simons, I was thinking. The Lord Mayor, Robert Doyle, joins us after his the news. What do you call the Lord Mayor? Well, his we'll find out. Or Robert, or Mr. Doyle, or Mr. Lord Mayor, or Doyley, or Bob. <laughs> I don't know. I might go with Doyley. We'll have a Doyle crack at that. Very, it's very Australian. <laughs> That's it. A great treat to welcome to mm. the studio. Now, I'm not sure whether I go with Your Excellency, the Lord Mayor, oh, Mr. Mayor. Can I just butt in here, Howie? Lord Mayor, welcome to the show. That's how you do it. Lord Mayor. That's well, the official or, title, or is isn't it? Very, very proper. Or I, think, can... I think I must have Mick Malloy's headset here. Or, or you've had a pumpkin in the in the studio before me. <laughs> no, that These be things are mixed. just enormous. <laughs> and what is the official, in a situation like this, are yes. you all those things or are you uh, uh, Bob or look, Robbie? If, or if, if you were the Queen, right. uh, you would address me as well-beloved and right trusty. That is my, my title from her, Oof. but you can call me Rob. Okay, mm. Rob it is. That makes well me far more comfortable. Right, trusty. That's I not like bad, that is too. it? <laughs> hey, great to see you, Rob, as I'm going to go with now. City yes. flying. I was just relating a story to you that living down the coast, I don't spend a great deal of time in there. And me and the beautiful Mrs. Howie had lunch in there and spent the day in the city the other day. Vibrant, engaging, busy, yeah. warm. Fantastic. I'm yeah, not sure you can claim city. credit for all that. Yes, I can. Well, yes, well I, I, I promise well you I can. Uh, pretty much none of that happened before I arrived. It was, it was John then, Batman, then you. Then me. That's yeah. it. That's it. You know, and, Well, there was John Faulkner as well at the same sort okay. of time. But, you know, but apart from that, it's been nothing. Uh, but look, it's, it's something I'm really proud of. Um, it, and it's not me, of course. It's, it's lots of people. Uh, one small thing that I am kind of proud of, every week since I've been Lord Mayor, a new bar or restaurant has opened in the city. Every single right. week. Well, we and, and, and that's, that's also why the nighttime economy is booming. If you can believe it, the last sort of five or six years, food sales at night up about 40%, 45%. Alcohol sales down about 5%. So it means we're going out and having a glass of wine and, you know, something to eat and enjoying ourselves and, you know, going to one of the events in the city. Yeah, it's a pretty vibrant place. And, and we're sports mad. I normally talk sport with uh, those people who hold down the fort when, you know, the A-team is not here. You two, that is. Mm -hmm. uh, and, Ed, and Mick I, and Darth. Yeah, whoever they are. I, I forget. They sort <laughs> of are interchangeable. Um, anyway, but uh, I remind them that more people go to a performance, a cultural or a creative performance every weekend more people go to those than they go to any sporting event. There you go. And, and that's our city. Yeah. Now, uh, some exciting agenda items that we need to speak about. Yes. First of all, as a great Victorian and a Melbourneian, I look forward one day to getting the keys of the city. And uh, you, yes, are, yes, that's something you can hope for. You're bringing it back as, as something that is going to be 
uh, awarded to significant yeah. people. You've um, actually brought with, the key in. Yeah, and that's that's great, isn't it, for an oral medium to bring in a visual uh, sort of uh, now prop, but never mind. Uh, now, uh, I do have uh, the key here. And I, I mean this in the nicest possible way. Yes. When you get the key to the city, where do you stick it to uh, unlock the city? Yeah, good point. Uh, I, I've yet to find the door, but look, it's... <laughs> it's that's what it was for the originally. secret door. It was, it was given to the good burgers of the city so that they could have ingress and egress mm. through the city. Uh, and I've only given two. Uh, I gave one to Lou Richards, principally because I think he changed the way we thought about television and, and he was just such a fixture. And I gave one to Kerry Stokes, um, not for being a Why very successful, so? well, not for being a very successful businessman, but he took channel seven down to Docklands and was the first business down there and, and gave Docklands that tick of business confidence. And now we have a remarkable collection of world businesses mm. down there. Kerry Stokes started it all with a, with a bit of a leap of faith and, and good on him. You look back at the pictures and, you know, Etihad Stadium uh, is completely isolated. And of course, Channel 7 is in that, that complex. There's nothing around it. Well, now it's just completely built up. But it was Kerry who made that first big, big business decision. So just, just looking the back, I've given. just looking back at the history of the keys, as we've done, as yep. you've discussed this with us in the break, there's been a few scratchy ones in the past. Some that possibly didn't deserve the keys, to be fair to say, Lord Mayor. Uh, Dame Edna. No, I can I, see Dame. We can go with Dame Edna. Although she is a fictitious is, character. Is deserving. I, I think we came up with New Kids on the Block might have got whoa, the keys whoa, to the whoa, city. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Jonathan Knight, Joey McIntyre, Donnie Wahlberg and Danny Wood, they are great Melburnians. I'm not sure they deserve them. No. Uh, Who else? Look, I, look I, I must say, I, I'd find it difficult to defend that decision. And <laughs> let, when you ask why, people just run in every direction. So there's, there's no explanation. I get asked this the whole time. You know, someone blows into town, a performer or, or some sort of world figure or whatever, and they say their publicist invariably says, why don't you give them the keys to the city? And, and my answer is, because they haven't done anything for the city. Mm. I've got one for you. Plus, they're getting a footy oh, jumper you? from I've got the one Carl for you. Hollywood. Luke Hodge. Oh, Hodgie, yeah. Except that I'm a Geelong supporter and I hate Hawthorne <laughs> with a passion yeah. beyond compare. The Lord Mayor is with us. He's going to stick around. There's a lot of issues bubbling around in Melbourne. Lawrence Mooney will go one-on-one -on -one next. Bollards. And the Lord Mayor of Melbourne, Robert Doyle, is in the studio with us. Lord Mayor, uh, people hold the Queen Victoria market very close to their hearts. What's happening with the Queen Victoria market? Uh, renovation, upheaval. Yeah. Where are we at? Well, yesterday we kind of fired the starter's gun, I think, after five years of preparation, talking to 7,500 people, uh, more than 60 different studies into heritage, sustainability, mm -hmm. business cases. We've got planning approval to go ahead with the redevelopment of the Queen Victoria market. The first thing that you'll see is the temporary market, uh, because we'll need to move some traders out of the heritage sheds while we restore those. So that will start happening in about October. Uh, and then March next year, you'll see some shovels in the ground. We'll probably have to take those heritage sheds off the market to restore them, to dig the basement uh, underneath there. For so that site will become vacant and no, an excavation? No, no, no. Part of it will become an excavation, but the market will continue operating all through the renovation. That's why the temporary market goes in there. Look, the, the meat, fish, deli, hall won't alter much. You know, that'll right. continue to operate. This, these are the heritage sheds, A, B, C and D sheds. And the, the biggest the biggest difference you'll see when we're finished, because it all gets put back, mm. it, it all will go on the National Heritage Register, so it'll be protected forever. The biggest change you'll see is that hectare and a half of car park will put those cars underground 
and that will become a big new public open space, beautiful green open space right next to Queen Victoria Market. That's the biggest difference you'll see, but we're not going to sort of sterilise it. You know, you, you, you right. don't want it to be sort of spit polished. It's a mm. market. It's an open air market. So you've got to keep that. But what you'll see is uh, a market that operates for longer with more stalls, greater choice, but still the things you love about What's it. What's been the greatest resistance? Why don't people want to change? Oh, because people don't like change. Because it's change. Yeah, because exactly. people don't right. like change. You know, and, and you can say, they say, oh, the heritage of the market. And you say to them, well, no one's ever documented that or protected it, but we will. You know, we, we've applied for national heritage listing, and I'm confident we'll get that this year. No one's ever done that. So the people who talk about the heritage of the market haven't actually done the work to protect the heritage of the market. So long we've as done the, that. So long as the donut van is not moved, that will I'm not happy. be moved. That's, Don't worry that's, about that's that. That's my fresh produce. He, he is, yes, that, that's exactly exactly right. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, an integral part of the market, and it will not be moved. I'm not sure that we could move it. By the way, it, it's kind of a bollard on its own. Well, a bollard. And the age today, it's a, it's a great shame that in our city we need to be erecting bollards to protect the citizens, but that's the life and place in which we live at the moment. Uh, reports in the age today saying that one of those bollards, if hit by a car at 40 kilometres an hour, could be pushed 30 metres. I'm not, yeah, not you know, I'm not backing the veracity of these statements, but I'm just putting it to you. Howie, you know, if your uncle, if your auntie had a moustache, she'd be your uncle. My you auntie know, has got a moustache. Well, so maybe she's your uncle. Um, but, she's she's uh, very her suit. Look. And, and I'm sure that's a very attractive tray in your family. Uh, and I'm not going to go any further down that track. It's too early in the morning to be even contemplating that. Uh, but look, they are temporary. Uh, we'll replace them eventually. You know, where we can, you'll see planter boxes. You'll see street furniture, benches, wayfinding signs. Uh, you'll see rubbish bins. They won't look like bollards, but they'll go down three metres underground and they will be bollards. So right. you won't even notice them. In some places, they'll be the heritage green ones that you see that are kind of like hitching posts. In other places, they'll be those silver bullets. These concrete ones are very temporary. But th the reality is they're there to actually stop vehicles from doing what happened in Burke Street. You know, if, if you hit it at 40 k's, but you'd have to get up to speed to do that. The whole point is they stop vehicles from being able to career through 200 metres of pedestrians. And that's what they're there for. And they're nothing new. I was uh, <coughs> having a look around uh, just on Thursday night last, went to into town, and along the, the taxi rank at Flinders Street are bollards that have been there for 100 years Absolutely. to stop vehicles going into the public. It's just now it's it. named, you know, a terrorist if, uh, measure. And, and they're the heritage ones I was, I was talking about. They're, they're the sort of green painted ones that look like horse Penises. hitching they, posts, they look like, I was going to say. Like wrought iron penises sticking out of the ground. Yes, that, that's the design. Yes, that's mm. absolutely right, Lawrence. That's what we're doing all over the town. <laughs> uh, progressive. And, uh, it's very progressive. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, it's, uh, yes. <coughs> uh, I, I'm not quite sure where I can go from now, there. No, I've got another uh, question for you relating you know, to that, I Lord could, Mayor. Maybe I could talk about bullards. Uh, but look, they, they are necessary in a modern world. These are not permanent. They're, they're going to be there for some time. But the thing I love is we put down these concrete blocks and what do the people of Melbourne do? Immediately start decorating them, yep. which is fantastic. And I reckon we should just stand back and let them do it. Does yeah. it sadden you as it saddens me? Because I was in town, as I said the other day, and yep. I, I was actually standing oh, in Burke Street. Well, no, I was standing in Burke Street Mall thinking, wow, 
it, it now becomes a place where in some people's minds you need to concern yourself about your safety. Does that, yeah. does that upset you as a, a man that's in charge in some ways of a magnificent city that we have to... What do you mean in some ways? Well, okay, sorry, the man in charge of completely a magnificent city. Completely in charge. Yeah, okay, completely the in charge. The iron grip of terror. Mm. Yes, and Howie, <laughs> no, on, your, on your serious point, um, yeah, it does. And, and I really regret that we have to do it. But the answer is we now live in a different world. Yeah. You know, and I can see a time where you won't get into the MCG unless the bag you're carrying is clear. Um, you'll start to get checked, not at the ground, but 80 metres, 100 metres away, because mm. we'll do that, that filter cordon thing. So you're interacting with people long before you get there. Um, the wave of the wand over you is just something you get used to. Oh, I like the, it. The bag search, yes, I thought you might. The bag search and, and the sort of turn out your mm -hmm. pocket stuff is just normal practice. That's unfortunately the world we live in. Uh, and in, in many ways, we're just going to have to get used to it. To finish up, Lord Mayor, I want to ask you a very important question. Of and some people might see this as self-interest, but uh, just for the sake of my children uh, being educated <laughs> and fed, uh, our Prime Minister, uh, Malcolm Turnbull. Long may he, he reign. Long may he reign. <laughs> long may he reign. Is he safe in his position? Look, uh, I will be doing everything I can to make sure that Malcolm is our Prime Minister for as long as your children need school fees paid. <laughs> and, uh, I think you can count on a new BMW. Uh, the orthodontics I probably think are taken care Terrific. of. You know, Melbourne Grammar School, you know, it's all under control as far as I'm concerned. Just And uh, on behalf of the Prime Minister, I'm going to say good on you. <laughs> as a good Liberal and a great Lord Mayor, Robert Doyle, long may you reign too. Thank Good you, Lord you. Mayor. Wonderful to have you in. Thank you. Good to be in here with Malcolm as well. On Triple M's Winter Breakfast, it's the Sport Thought. Robots got it. For all your building supplies, R-O-B-O-T. Can only be one Sports Thought at the moment. The Decider in Origin tonight, 7pm on the Nine Network, 8pm on Triple M. The Blues take on the Maroons. A massive build-up to this game. Couldn't be more happy to speak to the Emperor of Lang Park himself, Mr. Wally Lewis. G'day, Wally. G'day, mate. How are you? Great to speak to you. Before we get into the intricacies of the game, what does State of Origin mean to you, great man? Uh, well, mate, it was uh, it was about saving rugby league when State of Origin came around. Queensland used to get thrashed year after year. Um, I was told this morning the last time that they won a series before State of Origin was introduced was 1959. And it used to become very common for uh, a New South Wales team to come up here. Uh, and it was a Blues team that boasted four or five Queenslanders that had moved to Sydney um, to uh, play in the richer Sydney Rugby League competition that uh, had inflicted the pain. Uh, they'd come back up and scored a couple of tries. They were the reason that Queensland got beaten. And probably the ultimate insult was when they uh, suggested that they scrap the interstate games because it was such a waste of time. They said, Queenslanders, well, they can't even come close to us playing these games. Let's get rid of them. And uh, thankfully, uh, State of Origin came around and it was uh, an, an idea that we actually got from, uh, from Melbourne in the, uh, the South Australia v Victoria games that uh, was the reason rugby league was saved here. Well, you've taken it and run with it now. It is a dominant figure on the Australian sporting landscape. Tonight's game, as we said, some of the parts that are so important. Obviously, Thurston is out, which Ooh. will absolutely kill Queensland fans after the remarkable performance he put in in Game 2. So Munster, from my understanding, comes in, the Melbourne Storm man, on debut, trying to fill the shoes of Jonathan Thurston. Um, big time, big time stage to have to pull out something like that, Wally. Rather large boots to be wearing, Jonathan yeah. Thurston's. But look, I've got uh, every confidence in this kid. Uh, I've watched him play for the Melbourne Storm for a number of, for a couple of years now. And the one benefit is that um, 
he's coming in at 5'8". They could have picked him in the centres, but I think it's a much better idea to pick him at 5'8", the same position that he plays for Melbourne Storm. And uh, Queensland used to have... Uh, uh, you know, four guys that they relied upon, and that's going to be the case again. But Cameron Munster is going to be filling the roles of, of Thurston. He won't play a, a similar game, but uh, I, I think we're going to see Queensland putting into effect a game that is very, very much like the Melbourne Storms game. And that's uh, that's pretty good. I, I think it'll make uh, Munster feel much more at home for this game. We're speaking to Rugby League Queensland great Wally Lewis about uh, the final the third game in State of Origin tonight. Uh, you were talking about New South Wales dominance in uh, the state games. Queensland certainly turned the tables there. Uh, in the last decade, you've won all but one of the series. New South Wales fell away badly in the second game, Wally, as Queensland came over the top. Can they win tonight? Can Queensland win tonight? Can New South Wales win, sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know and, that you'll be going for Queensland, but we, we're asking you to just to be a little bit objective here. Yeah, yeah, they can. We've well, got to remember that New South Wales uh, flogged Queensland in game one this year. Um, they had game two in the bag uh, mm. for 50 minutes. It was it was something that was quite extraordinary. I I agree. Andrew Johns went off on the sideline, and it was seen in the uh, the post match. Uh, media campaign where he was sort of uh, talking about how badly New South Wales uh, were going. And I agree with him. When we were sitting there, he kept saying, why, why wouldn't you run a Thurston? Thurston can't tackle. His shoulder's gone. Mm. Um, why wouldn't... And the man standing outside him, um, he can't tackle either. Darius Boyd. Um, you've got two guys standing alongside each other that can't stop any player carrying the football. Yet New South Wales haven't run at them. And that continued mm. uh, for the next 28 minutes. They weren't targeted once. And to yeah, me, Joey was dirty was about most, that. Oh, it was the most... It was the, well, it was brainless. It was, it was bordered on stupidity that they wouldn't run at them. Um, and uh, and, and I, I was sitting right alongside Joey. And he just kept saying all the time um, that they're not doing it. And I said to Joey, to be honest, I'm glad that they're not. I don't understand why they weren't doing it, but uh, it certainly uh, helped Queensland um, get back in the game and certainly, uh, um, you know, uh, effectively win it uh, in the end because uh, they were under no pressure whatsoever. And when, uh, I mean, if they had kept running at Thurst, running at Thurston, he may not have been there for that last uh, uh, goal kick at the end of the game. He was such uh, excruciating pain. Wally Lewis, Origin legend, is with us on the winter breakfast in the lead-up to tonight's game, State of Origin 3, the decider on the 9 network from 7pm, Triple M from 8pm. Cameron Smith, Wally, obviously we're a little bit biased down in this part of the world, but he looks like when you see him even wander into the studio here that he should probably be selling chips in the van outside the stadium. <laughs> He's not your athletic type, but he gets in there and just gets the job done. Yeah. This is Well, this is a man that will probably become an immortal as well. Oh, mate, he's, he's, I think he's got a, a nickname that certainly fits what you're describing. They, they call him the accountant. Yes. And he yes. certainly looks like an accountant that's just arrived at the office to, uh, to go through uh, a few packs of figures. Uh, never gets uh, overawed by the, uh, the challenge at hand. Mm. And, uh, he's one of those blokes that, you know, he, uh, it, it's great to have him as, as a captain because there are going to be times uh, throughout the course of the match where it's, uh, it's a real panic situation. Um, uh, to have him in that spot for Queensland, particularly in the game like this when they've lost Thurston, uh, just adds uh, even further value to his position. Wally, we love him down here, we? do, we? we do. And Wally, a treat to chat with you on Origin Wednesday. Best of luck on the coverage tonight. You guys do a wonderful job. It's on the 9 Network from 7pm tonight, all the build-up and the game starts at about 8pm tonight. Wally, thanks for your time. My pleasure, boys.
There's some great things about doing this job, but when you get a bloke like Wally Lewis on the phone, a true legend of Australian sport, uh, what a star. And there was once upon a time when uh, Rugby League just wouldn't have uh, had any interest down here, but now we've had the storm for, well, since 2000, and uh, we love it. So go the Blues. Hope they can win the series tonight. Yeah, it'll be a cracker tonight on nine. Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor. The Americans are billing it as the greatest sporting event of our time. They've just come out of a press conference, which we're going to play some of you shortly. But before that, my little sport brain gets infused with facts and some impress me. And I've got a few to bring to the table here. Great. I love it. This is Floyd Mayweather. Money Mayweather, who's estimated by Forbes to be worth $450 million. So he's a boxer and he's taking on Conor McGregor. He's a very good boxer. A very good boxer. He takes on Conor McGregor. And he's going to hand him his ass on a plate. We'll get to that in a moment because McGregor is from the UFC world. baked. So he will not be used to just fighting as in boxing. However, now they've just come out of the press conference at the Staples Centre in LA where there was 20,000 people at the press conference. And they paid to get in? They did. Now, this is the first of four press conferences. So uh, they go on later in the week to Mm. Toronto, then New York, and then they go to Wembley. This is not for the fight. This is for the press conference. So it's a series of press conferences. Now, are, is, it, is there a bit of circus going on here? Is it like Brendan Goddard? Do they, they slap the pretzels into the crowd? Is there well, a bit of, I'm going to, you know, your mother, no, you are. Well, well there is a bit of that. And uh, Mick from uh, Thornbury, I think, sent us in a tweet. Mick from Northcote. So good day to Mick. Sorry, Northcote, similar part of the world. He sent us a tweet of the photo of McGregor's suit, which... Uh, it looks pinstripe to the naked eye, yes. but on closer inspection, those pinstripes Say, spell a word. Yeah, which word? F-U. That's what he's Continually down the pinstripe. Which, uh, which is a sweet move. I've it is. It, quite extraordinary. The fight is on August 26th at the T-Mobile in Vegas. Now, for the fight, they are charging, and this is extraordinary itself, pay-per-view, $99.99. US So about 130 Aussie dollars for the fight, which is big bucks pay-per-view. Uh, and on average, how many people are going to pay to view it? Half worldwide? the world. I would have thought half the world. Right. They so are 100 million a, people? I would have thought so. I would have thought so. Oh, I don't, I don't, it's hard to throw numbers around. I'll throw some numbers at you. Estimates for the fight, what they will receive each. McGregor gets the rough end of the deal. He will get a likely, depending on pay-per-view, Australian, about $97 million win US or, dollars. Win or lose. Win or lose. Money Mayweather... Wow. Gets the big chunk of the purse. Win or lose, could finish in the first round. He gets 131 million Australian dollars. Nice payday. Wow. This is what the boys had to say in the press conference. He's in a tracksuit. <laughs> he can't even afford a suit anymore. How's this suit look? An August McGregor line. I've got my own line of suits coming out. If you zoom in on the pins, right, but says, F- you. His little legs, his little core, his little head. I'm going to knock him out inside four rounds. Mark my words. He looked good for a seven-figure fighter. He looked good for an eight-figure fighter. But my I'm a nine-figure fighter. And I'm guaranteeing you this. You're going out on your face or you're going out on your back. Now, which way you want to go? Which way you want to go? That's right. Sit quiet, you little bitch. Your nine-figure fighter, which is your hundred million plus fighter. Now, I often say that I find in Australian sport we're too much to talk ourselves down. Big Buddy goes and kicks thirteen. He says, "I was about the structures and processes. Couldn't have done it with the boys." I like to see Showtime. That is Showtime to a whole nother level, bitch. Yeah.
and some great trash talking in there wow. too. Wow. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of wrestling talk in the AFL. Like, I'm going to be out there. I'm going to do you. I mean, I'm Tommy Bud tried you, it, sucker. but uh, uh, no one liked it. But it is all about it's selling show. pay-per-view. That's and it. you're listening to that all of a sudden you're thinking, hmm, 130 bucks Immediately, might be okay. I was like thinking, which pub's going to have it on the big screen? Where can I go and have a few frothies with uh, 200 other blokes I watching made... a fight whilst uh, making poor life choices? A nine-figure fighter. Mm. When are we going to become nine-figure radio operators here at the M's, Moon well, Doggy? I, yeah, that's right. When? Dream on. Correct.